0: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Bridgewater Church. My name is Kurt. I'm the campus pastor here. I'm so glad that you decided to join us here this morning. As we've been going through this tune In Tune series, I constantly get that turned around, In Tune series, um, I'm just really excited as we continue to talk about connecting with God. And what an awesome worship time it was this morning, um, just singing out to the Lord. Um, I just... I just love it, and sometimes I have to get my bearings back (laughs) when I'm trying to focus uh, on the message. So I just, I'm so thankful for uh, our worship team and our tech team um, for how they bring us uh, to worship God in the morning. So thank you. Um, As we get started this morning, I want to ask you a question. How many of you have ever bought a garden hose? All right, a few people. How many of you... Have bought multiple garden hoses in frustration of from a previous garden hose. All right, I'm starting to feel a little better here. Okay, so I I've been just frustrated in the past. You know, I get a hose and I try and hook it up on the spout there, and and it sometimes it's constantly leaking, um, and so I buy a new hose. Or sometimes it's kinking all the time. It kinks and then you can't get the water from the source to where you're sending it to. So if I'm trying to wash my car or if I'm trying to water my lawn or flowers, if I had those, um, you know, if I'm trying to do those things and the kink gets there, the water cannot come from the source to go to the place where it needs to go to either clean the car or cause the growth that's necessary. So that that, that connection... um, gets broken. I even bought a hose that said it was guaranteed not to kink. And guess what it did? It kinked. So maybe it's the user. I don't know. But the one I have now is pretty decent. So, but I'm going to talk to you this morning about what something else that can cause our connection with God um, to, be, to have a kink in it. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to start with uh, King David wrote a book, Uh, wrote a psalm called uh, Psalm 139 and we're going to read that beginning in verse 1 this morning you have searched me Lord and you know me you know when I sit down and when I rise up you perceive my thoughts from afar you discern my going out and my lying down you're familiar with all my ways before a word is on my tongue you Lord know it completely as you think about your lifetime who has truly known you who has truly known you are you that type of person where you just let everything out to begin with you tell everybody all about yourself this is some major self-disclosure going on and you hope in hope that you'll be accepted by that other person by laying it all there on the line are you that person that gives that self-disclosure right away or are you on the other side of the spectrum? Are you that type of person that you have a 60-foot wall up? And you're like, there is no way on God's green earth that you're getting through this wall. All right, so there's two, two different sides, two different spectrum um, to that. And someone might have the 60-foot wall for a number of reasons. Um, one of the reasons they might have that wall is because they've been hurt a lot in their life. Um, whether it's been people that have hurt them repeatedly, people, maybe people have, um, that they've gotten close to have lied to them or maybe they've talked behind their back or maybe it's something even more severe where they've experienced physical, sexual or even emotional abuse so that the, that wall is up and they don't want to let anybody in. So I, and I wanted to talk about um, briefly um, one of those forms of sexual abuse or emotional abuse Um, that has to do with why people keep their walls up and so this one is called Gaslighting. Gaslighting is a form of manipulation that occurs in abusive relationships. It is a covert type of emotional abuse in which the bully or the abuser misleads the target, creating a false narrative and making them question their judgments and their reality. Ultimately, the victim of gaslighting starts to feel unsure about their perception of the world and even wonder if they're losing their sanity. Gaslighting is usually performed over an extended period of time that causes the victim to question the validity of their own thoughts, perception of reality, their memories. This can lead to confusion, loss of confidence and self-esteem, and certainly uncertainty of one's mental stability. A common result of this dependence is a dependence on the perpetrator. this is an awful form of emotional abuse, and that could be one of the reasons why someone might be having a 60-foot wall. You could understand, perhaps, why. But what do you do when you discover the truth about someone? What do you do when you discover the truth about someone? And when I I ask that question, I mean what, what you know to be true, not what you found out through through some gossip or something like that, but something that you know to be true that you discovered about someone. What, what are some of the behaviors that you might do? The first one might be distance. You might cre- create distance between you and the other person. You might be like, maybe you get together every week for dinner and then you're like, yeah, I don't think I'm gonna make it this week for dinner. Uh, the person keeps calling you, and you're like, yeah, I'm not returning that call or that, or that text message. You create distance sometimes when you find out a truth that you don't like about someone. And the next one is disassociation. You're like, George, who? Who's that? Or this person's going, I don't know that person. Oh, that's my ex? Oh, I don't, we don't talk about that. I don't talk about my ex. So it might be dissociation like they never even existed. And thirdly, shaming. You start telling other people what they're really like, so you hope to embarrass them. And you think you're some, because you think somehow you're superior to them. That could be on social media or just in social circles. That could be just like, shame on you, or I can't believe you did that. Or do you know what they're really like? And the last one there, when we find out about someone, uh, it could be outrage. I can't believe it. And now we have this like smartphones in our pockets so we could be outraged about just about anything. It could be yet another politician, yet another preacher, yet another friend or a girlfriend or a spouse. We just get outraged about who they are. And now that we know the truth everyone else is gonna know about it too. That's what we do when we tend to find out the truth about someone. Now, we've identified how we might feel when, some, when we find about the truth about others. What if someone found out the truth about you? What if someone found out the truth about you? What if they knew who you really were? The thoughts that go through your head on a daily basis? Many people live in fear of this. Often in church, we wanna present the best of ourselves. We don't wanna present with any sort of vulnerability or, or that we might sin or that our thoughts aren't always pleasing to God. Now think about this. The almighty God of the universe knows you completely. There's no secrets. He knows your thoughts and every intention that you have. Let's move down a little further in Psalm 139. I'm gonna read verses 23 and 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Sometimes we wanna present this polished version of ourselves so that others will accept us. But we're not fooling God. We can't fool him. He knows we're broken. He knows that we need saving. He knows that we are in need of repair. So if we're going to have this connection with God that we say that we desire, then we need to be real about our brokenness. Psalm sixty-six, eighteen, 18 says, If I cherished Sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If I cherish sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Which leads us to our first point here is that unrepentant sin creates barriers in my connection with God. You can have the part down where you're wanting to worship God and pour everything in there, but if there's unrepentant sin there, it creates that barrier. Maybe there's sin that you cherish. Maybe there's sin in your heart and you don't even know about it. But be careful if you're sitting there and thinking, hmm, I think I'm good. Because I know I certainly haven't arrived. And if you feel that you've arrived when dealing with your sin, there may be a pride issue there. Let's take a look at what Jesus speaks of when he's talking about a Pharisee and a tax collector. In Luke chapter 18. To some who trusted in their own righteousness and viewed others with contempt, he also told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men swindlers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week, and I pay tithes of all that I acquire. Can you hear the pompous tone in his voice? Maybe you just want to slap him, I don't know. Just being honest here. Um... But there's a sense of intense arrogance and pride in the Pharisee here. He's saying how great he is. Let's take a look at the contrast to that in these next couple verses. A a tax collector um, in society was viewed as a person who was, they were grouped with a whole bunch of severe sinners, typically, Um, and in that culture, they were very much hated um, a tax collector would be viewed in the same, same realm as like a prostitute or same realm as like um, an adulterer or something like that. So, because what they did is they would cheat everybody. They were very rich. They'd cheat everybody on the taxes. They'd spend a whole lot, charge them a whole lot more. And that was, that's why nobody liked them. And um, that's why they were viewed as sinners typically more than others. So here's this tax collector. Okay, he says, but the tax collector stood at a distance, unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven. Instead, he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. If we're going to have a better connection with God, then we need to have humility, to be honest about our own sin. In Psalm 139, David invites God to search him and to know his heart. What he is saying to God is, I know that you know all things. Please, tell me what's up. Just give it to me straight. I want to live a righteous life. And sometimes I have blinders on, and I can't see my own sin. So please, God, show me. It's an example for you this morning. Um, There's a picture here of my living room. And in my living room, whenever we're having people over, it's always like, all right, let's make sure everything is just so. Everything's in place, You know even if it wasn't before you know everything's in place just right when you have people over so that it looks just nice right you know isn't that how we get in our lives we want everyone to just see how good we are we want everyone to see that we have it all together and that everything is just right but regrettably i'm going to show you the next picture and um this is my basement And, you know, kudos to to everyone out there. If your attic and your basement are in pristine shape, God bless you. Uh, It's just not me. (laughs) Um, You see, that's the basement. You got, you know, some some old drywall there. Uh, You got a creepy Santa Claus standing there. Um, There's several things in there. I think there's some bags with things, and I'm really not sure what's in them. Um, but it's just, it's a mess, right? And it's just like our lives. Like, we, we don't want anyone to see the mess. We're not going to be like, we have people over, we're going to be like, hey, come check out the basement, <laughs> right? No, we're, although people ask sometimes and we cringe, right? But, but that's how we, we tend to be in life. We just, we just want people to see the polished versions of ourselves. And we don't want this, them to see the mess, we, but we need ultimately be honest, you know, it can be easy in life to only focus on the portions of our hearts that are cleaned up and ignore the unkept areas of our lives. We, we even pretend they don't exist. The reality is that God sees it all. What am I holding on to that I don't want anyone to see? Is it bitterness Is it unforgiveness, is it control, is it rage, is it vengeance, is it sexual sin, what about lies about how you spend your money, what would happen if your spouse or your friends had full access to your bank account, okay, all right, I'll back off on that one a little bit, didn't want to have any panic in that moment, so, but back to forgiveness, Unforgiveness ultimately breaks my connection with God. Unforgiveness breaks my connection with God. Jesus says in Mark 11, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. You know, sometimes we hold back in forgiving because we say, well, they don't deserve it. Perhaps so, but deserving forgiveness is never given as a prerequisite for us to forgive. We are commanded to forgive. You see, not only does my sin against God break down my connection with him, but my sin against others breaks down my connection with God. Sin as a way of messing up our relationships in more ways than we can understand. But as I talk about this subject, you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but how many of you are actively thinking, hmm, I'm going to point to my spouse or my friend when I leave here today and say, see, see, you're supposed to forgive. But in reality, here, we're being challenged to examine our own hearts. Not the hearts of our spouse or our friend or our neighbor. We're examining our own hearts. I'm going to read Psalm 139, 23, and 24 again. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We so often, we want to run and hide in our sin and not say, God, come reveal to me my sin. Lead me in the way everlasting. God, would you help me to see if I'm headed to the path of destruction or the path of life? Would you show me where the kink in the hose is that's cutting me off from hearing from you, from having my prayers answered? He wanted to repent. He wanted to turn from sin. He wanted to restore a right relationship with God. I think that's a scary invitation. God, search me and find any offensive way in me. It's terrifying to be fully known for all that we are. But it's an invitation to real relationship. You can't have real relationship without being really known by someone. This is the type of relationship that Jesus had with his disciples. He lived with them, he walked with them. Did ministry with them all over the place. Nothing was hidden from Jesus. And it was at the Last Supper, at their final meal together, that Jesus demonstrates that he knows everything about them. He knew everything about them and he was sitting at the table with them. He knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew Judas's sin. He knew about James and John who argued about who was to be greatest in the kingdom of God. He knew their motives and their arrogance and he told them about it. He knew about Thomas. We were often referred to as doubting Thomas. Why? Because he wouldn't believe until he touched Jesus' hands. He knew about Thomas's doubt. And then there's Peter. Peter, Jesus tells Peter, That he's going to deny him, and Peter's like, no, 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 that's never going to happen. And what happens? Peter denies him, right? Um, Peter denies him, he disassociates with him, and he abandons him. I don't know who he is, he says. I wasn't with him. Then everyone else, they pretty much ran away. They all run away and leave Jesus when he went to get crucified, Jesus knew their lack of faith. And yet Jesus was at the table with them. These people that he would poured his life into, they're not gonna, now gonna leave him. They're gonna betray him or deny him or disassociate with him. In fact, Jesus would go on with this meal and tell them he knew that one was gonna betray him and one would deny him. So, What does Jesus do in light of knowing every detail of their hearts and minds? Well, let's turn to Matthew 26, beginning in verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. That night at dinner, Jesus took bread, he broke it, And he handed a piece to Judas and said, I see who you really are. Peter, I see who you really are. James, John, and Thomas, I see who you really are. All of you will deny me and flee. Here you are. This is my body that's broken for you. I see who you really are, and I'm sticking around anyway. I'm coming back for you. Continuing in verse 27, Says Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus says, this is my blood that's poured out for you. I see who you really are, and I'm sticking around, and I'm coming back. Because ultimately, Unrepentant sin creates a barrier. But God's love breaks down the barrier that sin creates. God's love breaks down the barrier that sin creates. You see, when may, we may have been rejected by others because of truth they found out about us. Or we, others may have rejected us because truths they found out about us. But God's love breaks through our sinful past, our shortcomings, so that we can have a close relationship with him. He knows everything about every one of us. He knows the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. And as we read his word, we can learn and we can know, and we can turn and repent of our sin and draw close to him. See, he knows you. Are you ready to be fully known by him? Will you let God's love fix what is broken? Have you repented of your sin that has broken that connection between you and God? Have you asked the question that David asked Search me and know me, find anything that does not belong? So before we uh, approach communion this morning, we see how Jesus accepted those disciples that did all those things and he loved them no matter what. God sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross and be risen again so that we could have life. And that's why we celebrate communion celebrate it because of what God has done for us. For if you have given your life to Jesus, if there's been a moment where you've made Jesus your leader and forgiver, I encourage you to take communion with us today. But if there's something that you need to deal with between you and God, something that you need to say, confess to God and be done with and turn from that sin, then I encourage you to take a moment now. We're going to have Um, some silent prayer right now to give you a chance, give you an opportunity to have that conversation with God perhaps that you need to have. I want to encourage you that if there's something that you need to work out with someone else today, I would encourage you to to today be the day that you deal with that today. And as we go with communion, I just wanted to remind you that it goes a lot easier if you snap the the little thing there. Um, sometimes it's a pain to get off, and then play, go ahead and take off that first layer plastic the clear layer Jesus said on the night he was betrayed he took bread and he said this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me I think we're getting it. <laughs> Jesus said, This is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Let's all take it together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of sending your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins and rise again. Lord, I pray as we approach this Easter season, God, that we would be constantly remembering God, all that it cost, Jesus. God, I pray that if there's any here that do not know you, that today would be the day that they give their life to you. God, and I pray that that there's anyone that has unrepentant sin in their life, God, that today would be the day they take that before you and they confess that sin and they follow after you wholeheartedly. We thank you, God, for your awesome grace and mercy in our lives. We don't deserve the free salvation that you give us. We just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.